Welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, hey. To the Messy Walk Podcast. We are super excited um it's been a it's been a little bit since me and adam recorded yeah so we tend to record in batches yeah so uh it's been a little bit we had a little we had uh easter in between there mm-hmm. and a little break um so it's you been went a to bit disney went to disney world with your family which is uh the closest thing to <laughs> hell on earth that there possibly could be i'm just kidding we had a great time actually this time um, it's very weird to be there during the rona um, with things at limited capacity and wearing a mask outside. Is that weird? In the heat all day long. Yeah, it's kind of kind of crazy. Ain't trying to keep one on a five year old, but uh, it was awesome. We had a good we had a good time. We had a good break. We needed nice. a break. My kids have been saving up for their Disney World trip for like three years. Oh, so um, they paid for their whole. They did. They wow. did. They've been saving up for it. So they've been saving everything to get their hands on. Um, of course, mom and dad had to kick in. We had to kick in a little extra, but. They did pretty good, and so they've been saving for it, and it got canceled like 4,600 times during the Ronin, so finally we did, and uh, we had a really good time. So it was a nice nice break. Nice. But we're glad to be back. Yeah, we're back. We're back in in doing it. Um, If uh, you guys are new with us, we're super excited that you are joining our podcast. Uh, The last six episodes, uh, me and Adam have been comparing and contrasting ideas and urgencies and importance and surrender and control. in all kinds of things. So if you haven't listened to those, yeah, they, I think they were really good. I thought they were, um, you know, the first really first several episodes of the whole podcast were just sort of my story backstory, yeah. right? And then we jumped hard into a couple of different topics, and those episodes I thought were really good, um, and they just help with daily life, like daily walking with the Lord, yeah, and those struggles that we have, you know, how messy that walk can be. I thought they really helped with that. Um, th- yeah. those, those are some of those principles that I've been trying to live out in my life for a long time now. Um, sort of, some days I do great, some days I don't. Um, but I thought they were very, very helpful episodes. And I had a couple folks um, that hope you might be listening now. A couple of you that that um, at different places have popped up to me and told me specifically their favorite ones were these episodes that we had done awesome. just recently. So I thought that was pretty cool. So I think that probably speaks to the helpfulness of them good. Um, into our daily life. And that's just what we're going for here, right? I mean, so what we're trying to do is we're not trying to just say something that sounds cool. Um, we're trying to be honest about what a walk with Jesus looks like, and then what we say about that is helpful. And yeah. so we're, we're, we want to spur each other on. So we're trying, as we do this podcast, is to spur you on further um, in your walk with Jesus, um, as people do the same thing for us. So yeah. that's the goal. So I think they're really, really helpful is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. They're practical tools to say, here's a problem. And biblically, let's see how we are supposed to handle this. Um, again, for the glory of God. Right. So yeah, ultimate goal there. Um, but yeah, today we are in kind of beginning for the next few episodes. I would say we're going to be going through some, confessions of a pastor yeah we don't really have a great topic or i mean excuse me a very title for it but i think that basically we're going to just call it confessions of a pastor um which really is just nothing more than confessions of a christian yeah um but one of the reasons we say that when we're talking through this is um 
when you are in a leadership position and being a pastor is definitely a leadership position, um, part of being a leader is going first. And so <laughs> if you can hear me tell you confessions that I have, um, that I believe that you're going to have the same ones. If we have those same confessions here, then, you know, then, then if you hear me doing it, then you're much more likely to actually lean into it on your own as well. And so, you know, it's like walking in whatever you see the pastor wearing at church that has set the tone then for what you uh, will probably feel most comfortable or, or if you're hitting the mark and wearing. Yeah. And so uh, that's why I preach in jeans and a T-shirt and have since the first day of our church. Um, because if you walk in and see the pastors in jeans and a T-shirt, then you know that you don't have to wear any particular thing. And so there's been a kind of like a the, the, the leader has gone first. And so I think we call it confessions of a pastor, but really it's just calls. It's just really confessions of a Christian because I'm a Christian just like you are. Yeah. So. And these, these confessions are, I would say real honest. Yeah. When, they're real honest. When we went through them, I could kind of look at it and be like, yeah, if I can, it's kind of hard. It would be, I would be lying if I said I've not struggled with these things and, you know, you know, I kind of holding back. Like, I'm, I don't know if I want to confess this because yeah. I feel weak or silly or, I, I don't know enough yeah, as a Christian, right. you know, or um and that's one of the reasons scary. why you call it confessions is because yeah. it's something that you don't necessarily want to say. Yeah. Or, you know, the reason you don't want to say it is because you don't like that you have it or you don't like that you deal with it. Or, you know, it's em- embarrassing is a good word for it. Right? Yeah. Um, it's something you wish you didn't struggle with, that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. So to me, they're to me, they're pretty, pretty honest. Um you know, and and then of course, there's plenty of other confessions we could have as Christians as well. But these are just a few we decided to focus in on that I think, if we'll talk through them in an honest way, um, I'll share with you guys what the Lord's been doing in my life with them for several years, right? Because I preached a Confessions of a Pastor series. It's ha- it has to have been three, four years ago at this point. Um, I want to say yeah, three or three or four years ago for sure. Um, so it's been a while since I've, you know, used that phrasing, but uh, I just want to be as helpful as I can. And God has been, since, since talking about this for the first time three or four years ago, God has been working on me with these particular confessions um, in a pretty mm-hmm. significant way. And so I do feel some victory in a couple of them, um, and I want to help you get the same victory, you know, feel the same thing, step into that same spot of, um, yes, I might have to confess this right now, but uh, God is capable to do something about it in my life if I'll open up and listen to him and, and follow. So, Yeah. Would you say that in the terms of victory, there are still struggles with it? Yeah. For, I mean, you know absolutely. Right? Like, I'm, I, don't, I wouldn't even call it a confession if it was something that I felt like, all right, this is not even relevant anymore in my life. You know, um, I, I've already, this is not a struggle anymore. Um not at all, and I think that there are absolutely struggles here. There's there's leaning and tendencies, hmm. um, and I do think that any I do think that most of the pieces of faith that we will struggle with, even if we see ourselves, you know, push forward in those, there's always going to be some sort of leaning and tendency back to where we were before, and the enemy's going to work that way too. Like the enemy's going to want you if you start to have victory in an area. Then he's going to immediately start to go. Oh no no no! Let's go back to where we were, or let's derail this train. Right, let's yeah. throw an obstacle up, yeah. and that for sure happens. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I'd say yes, there's victory here that I think I can help with for sure. But I'm still learning too. You know, I'm still growing in it too. Yeah. Well, Adam, let's jump in. What's your confession? So the, the first one that I want to start with um, 
is pretty honest, and I think that uh, it may hurt some feelings. Um, and it, it's very true for most of us. It's very true for most of us, and we don't like to say it that much because it makes us sound like jerks, or it makes us sound like know-it-alls, or uh, I don't know. But my my first confession is that I can't stand most Christians. Um, so you guys are listening to the podcast right now. I could be talking to you. I could not, but I can't stand most Christians. And if you really want to get real honest with it, I can't stand, can't stand as a nice way, um, as Christian people that we don't use the word hate because our mama told us that we weren't allowed to use the word hate when we were growing up. (laughs) So (laughs) growing up in my Christian household that I grew up in, I was not allowed to use the word hate. Um, and what I really mean when I say I can't stand most Christians is I mean the intensity of the feeling of, I hate most Christians. Like, they drive me absolutely insane. Um, and sometimes I can identify with no wonder folks that aren't Christian don't want to be Christian because we seem so crazy, you know. And so I've got multiple reasons for why, and I'm sure that you do too. If you listen to this, I mean, I, maybe I hope that you're further along in your Christian faith walk than I am in this particular area. And you're like, no, I see each Christian for what they bring to the table and who they are as messy Christians and um, but I just struggle with it. I really do. I mean, most of the time I spend my time rolling my eyes at uh, Christian things I see on TV, Christian things I see on the Internet, uh, especially the way that Christians pop up in the news and what they end up being newsworthy or noteworthy for, what they stand against or for. And it just it just drives me crazy. Um, and I got lots of reasons for it. Like some of them are just church problems, like, you know, there's we we've getting people get so out of been out of shape Christians get so out of been out of shape about the stupidest stuff like what version of the Bible you're going to read um, and so they decide to stand on some hill that says this is the only version that you can ever read when that most I mean I haven't met one yet who says that that knows what the heck they're talking about when it comes to Bible translation and and revisions and all those you know they don't know anything what they're talking about they're yeah. just re- regurgitating something that they heard growing up which was erroneous then too. You know, and so this idea that this is the most accurate translation of the Bible and we won't use any other Bible, it's it's crazy. It's insane. Um, It's just nuts. And so, you know, I've got virtually every translation that you can have in my office, you know, and I use all of them in different ways, right, for different things. But it's just stupid stuff like that, you know, and or we get so bent out of shape about the wrong worship style, right? That, that, and this is not just a, a, a jump at, traditional versus modern or contemporary. Hmm. I mean, we even have the fights between the traditionalists or, or this is what real worship is. And this is not and the same thing with modern churches. This worship's not correct. This worship's correct. We get so upset and angry about a style of worship and it causes these divides that happen between us. It just drives me absolutely insane. And, and there's so many of them that you would, you would kind of consider like those church problems, but then outside of church, there's even more. You know, Christians decide to boycott everything under the sun um, and just decide to be against so much stuff. And the, the part that drives me crazy, that, that just makes me just lose my mind over a lot of Christians, is that, is that, that we, we're always telling the world what we're against instead of telling them what we're for. You know, and so we end up being known for all the stuff that we're against, and it drives me nuts. Hmm. Um, the, the, like, I've got a good story about this. This is 
<clears throat> I guess pickle. Yeah, it's a pickle story. So I feel like I'm in a pickle right now to tell. <laughs> I haven't my notes. Um, I haven't heard it yet. Though, this was so. a life changing moment for me. Okay. So I am a, and you guys have already heard my story. If you hadn't, go back and listen to episodes one through four. It was, <laughs> it <laughs> was a, a yeah. There's a promo. Um, it, it, I was a young man. I was an appointed pastor in the United Methodist Church, and. In the United Methodist, now I'm not dogging out this particular domination. I'm just giving you the details of the story, right? Um, we were in, we were um, at annual conference, which you have to have at the conference level every single year. And so there were literally thousands of pastors gathered together, thousands of lay leaders for the Virginia conference. And we're, we're going through, they vote on all kinds of stuff. And at the end, the pastors receive their appointments and you know where you're going to be appointed for that year and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just a big thing. It's cool. And so I'm sitting there reading through, um, the, the book, this is Methodist. So they're very methodical, right? And so they, they track every number you could think of and it's all submitted each year. And so in my hand, there's this massive book that I can look at for whatever year it was. I want to say it was like. 2006 somewhere in that range um you can look through all these numbers so i'm sitting here looking through these numbers so i i turn to our district and i look at churches in our district and i turn to just start flipping through you know you know when you're in something that's insanely boring and you just mindlessly read anything like you'll find yourself reading every ingredient on the back of your trident gum uh, when you're in something boring Mm -hmm. and so that's what i'm doing and i like (laughs) stuff like that anyway i like i like numbers and so i'm reading through all these numbers and I'm turning to each church, and they instead of the word salvation in the Methodist Church, which is the same in lots of other ones, they use the word profession of faith, right? And so they're tracking those numbers, and so you can see each church, each district throughout the conference. So I'm looking at it, and I'm going, okay, this particular church in this particular district, professions of faith zero, baptisms zero. Mm. So I turn the page, I look at another one, zero, zero. I turn the page, I start scanning, I'm looking through, and I'm, I'm, I'm now, I've looked through 50, 60, 80, 100 churches, and all of them have zero down hmm. for professions of faith, salvation, baptisms this particular year. And I'm at this moment where I'm literally about to have a panic attack. Like, I'm reading this and I'm going, stop the phone, stop the press, there's an emergency, something has to change right now. How could we go a year where we have, you know, this humongous number of churches in this in just this one little denominational group not having anybody come to Christ? Like I'm like, stop the fuck. There is a problem. There's a massive problem. And I'm like, I'm about to hyperventilate in my seat. That I'm so bothered by it inside of my soul. I'm so much like there is a problem in Jesus' church. We got to figure this out. I mean, and and I look over and I and my Valerie's sitting beside me. She's like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, you're not going to believe this. And so I start kind of talking to her and telling her about it. Then I look over at some of my colleagues that are beside me, and they're all checked out on the issue that they're talking about, too. They're all just reading random stuff. And I'm about to lose it in my soul, right? And I stand up, and I, then I start paying attention to what's actually happening in this, um, in this, this, this conference center. We were at, yeah. we were at Hampton Coliseum, um, which is this massive, you know, I mean, there was, I don't know, it was at least 6,000 people in there. And we are, at that very moment, voting to boycott or not Mount Olive Pickle Company for their employment practices. And I'm going, are you kidding me? 
Like, are you serious? We are over here. We got, we got, you know, from my quick analysis, we got a hundred churches that haven't had anybody accept Christ or baptized in the last year. And we're over here getting ready to argue about and vote on a boycott in some pickle company. I'm like, this is absolutely insane. Not to say that we shouldn't pay attention to employment practices for pickle companies, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Not to say that we shouldn't care about employment practices, period. But the gospel message of Jesus Christ should be preeminent. That should be the thing that we're most concerned about first, first and foremost. And we should be doing that, right? And not being distracted by voting on whether or not to boycott pickle companies. Right after we finished voting on the boycott and pickle companies, we voted on whether to boycott Taco Bell. Um, and something having to do with where they were getting their tomatoes from. And I was like, this is not, so it's just a, I went off track a little bit, but it was just an example of, you know, what makes me just go, Christians are stupid. You know, like, why, why do we act like this? Why do we care about that? Why do we, why do we talk like this about all this stuff? You know, and then, and then my last little example of why I would feel this way is that Christians can be just straight up weird, right? I mean, straight yeah. up weird. If you've ever had time, if you if you have direct TV wherever you listen to this, I don't know about on the other channels, but I have direct TV because I live in the boonies and it's all I can get. If you have direct TV, go to uh, the upper three hundred channels, and you will find tons and tons of Christian channels. Scroll through them all, every single one of them. It's the weirdest stuff you've ever seen in your life. Christians should just be so strange and weird. We can do the weirdest stuff. Our our, you know. It just it just makes me go, oh, you know, what a bad look that we get for Christians, that we have to be these ultra weirdo weirdo people. Um, it just bothers me. And so, you know, like Christian TV in general and things that we say and things we do. Anyway, just long story short, they drive me crazy. Um, and it's hard for a pastor to admit that. Like it's hard, it's hard for a pastor to say that the people that I'm supposed to be shepherding, they drive me insane, right? That, that. I can't stand them, right? Because we do such weird stuff. And, you know, that's it, a hard confession. And I think at the bottom, at the end of it, my attitude towards this, I mean, I gave you some reasons there, but my attitude towards people like this has been because of some conclusions I've drawn as a leader, as a pastor. And they've been erroneous conclusions, but they've been part of my own experience. And you know what we tend to do in our own experiences is after we experience something multiple times, we put up a wall to sort of protect ourselves as human beings that most of the time those walls are wrong, right? Um, you can put up boundaries. You can't put up walls. And so I have uh, I put so I've drawn some of those conclusions and, and I think put up some of those walls and boundaries, which has been negative for me in my life. Like, for example, I, I've decided that. I have to perform for people. You know, that's a bad conclusion that I've drawn in my life that I have to perform for them. And, and so that means that no matter what I feel, no matter what I think, I just got to be me, be the pastor and drug all that stuff to the side. And so that makes me resentful of Christians um, because I'll decide that, well, no, I just got to, I've got to perform. That's, that's what they want from me. Right. And then there's some other conclusions too, like, if I think that I have to perform, then it makes me feel like I can't trust anyone, really trust anyone. And, um, and so there's this, there's this thing that's going on in my background over the years, right. Of hurt and rejection and, um, or people using their words against you and stuff like that, where you go, I can't trust anybody. So let me just keep these 
confessions to myself and and then that leads to the big one which is that you know people don't really care about me they only care about what I can do for them as their pastor um and and I'm sure I'm not the only one just as a pastor who would feel that way um there's probably plenty of other people who have felt that way I know lots of women who have articulated feeling that way that um people men in particular don't love them they just love what they can do for them um so as I drew those conclusions, what it made me do is it made me just start to have even more irritation in my life for people of faith, Christians spe- specifically, or people in general, right? Um, it just caused this animosity of, I can't stand them, um, which is not at all what Christ wants us to be. And so I, I'm in this conundrum now of I've got all this historical data in my own life to point to I'm right for drawing this conclusion. Like I'm right for drawing this whole Christians are weird and they do stupid stuff and I can't stand them. And I'm right for drawing this conclusion of people just want something from me. So, you know, and I've seen that happen. So I'm right here. And I, and I'm at this conundrum because on the other hand, Christ's going, no, that you're not called to do that. You're not called to treat people like that. You're not called to, to categorize people in those categories. Um, I didn't categorize you, Adam, and I very well could have. Um, and so I'm in that spot where there's a it doesn't match up, right? And I think a lot of times in our faith walk, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing is it's show, he's showing us these areas where what we're standing on and how we're acting and what we're believing does not line up with what it means to follow Christ. You know, and those those two things are starting to kind of bang their head against each other. Um, and so for me, this has been a big one. And I only admitted this one for the first time like three or, three or four years ago. This one's been a big one for me. It's grown um, over over the years. This uh, distance that I would put up with people, specifically Christians, um, because I didn't want to deal with their crap or I didn't want to be hurt by them anymore. Um, it has caused some serious problems in my life and it's caused loneliness and all those kind of things. And, and God's really been working on me about those with those things for a while now. And for me, it all started with some scripture. It all started with God telling me something through the word. Um, and I was in, I was in Philippians one and two. Actually, I think I was reading through all of Philippians at the time or something like that. And I jump into Philippians and, you know, in, in, in Philippians, what you've got going on is you've got Paul being in jail um, when he writes this stuff and he may live, he may get out, he may die. He don't really know. Um, and what's happening with the Philippians is they are experiencing some sort of uh, some some sort of suffering. Something's happening, right? They're struggling as a church. You can see that that they're really having a hard time. And so Paul is talking to them about who God really is and what Christ has really done and then, and then what we're supposed to do with, with regard to how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to behave, like especially in the face of struggles, problems, issues, right? Um, and, and so I was just reading through it. And it started to really change some things with me when I got to the second chapter in Philippians. Um, Because towards the end of it, I'm going, 
Well, yeah, God, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, you don't understand. These people are horrible. You know, like you don't understand. These people are driving me crazy. Like, I know, God, you want me to love these people and care for these people and get rid of my bias here or my judgment is a better word. But you just don't understand, God. You just don't understand. You know, you ever, you ever tell that? You ever feel like you say that? I think people, I bet right now people can resonate with that. Like, how many times in our life we've been like, but God, you just don't understand. And God's going, hello. <laughs> First off, I'm God. Second of all, Jesus walked in your place. Uh, believe me, I understand. Right? Yeah. I understand. I get it. You know, and, and I was just sitting there. I just found myself as I was reading through this going, oh, no, God, you just don't understand. You just don't understand. You start to walk into chapter two of Philippians. What you start to see, um, and not just two, just kind of begins there, is you start to see that the entire book of Philippians, the entire letter, that Paul writes to this church in Philippi is filled with words that indicate us having as Christians like-mindedness. Um, it's filled with multiple ones where we have to have like-mindedness. And when you get to chapter 2 and you go to verse 2, you've heard this verse before. It says, make my joy complete by then having like-mindedness, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. He's sitting there telling me, that I need to be in one spirit and one mind and like-mindedness with all these Christian people that drive me crazy, right? And them with me, that us as Christians are supposed to have this like-mindedness thing. This term that he get right here is the word uh, phroneo in the Greek. And that word phroneo, it, our best translation for it is not just mindset, having the same mindset. It's Our best translation for that is attitude. It's about having the right attitude. And what you see happening here in Philippians is, is he keeps pushing them back to how important it is to have the right attitude. So Paul's sitting here saying where you start, the starting point in following Jesus is your attitude. The starting point in us being connected together as Christians is not what we do. It's our attitude. The Christian attitude is the most important thing. Hmm. And Paul is stressing that the Christian attitude is is crucial. Um, and my issue here, what God was doing with me, is my issue here is not whether or not Christians are stupid because they probably are. Because I'm stupid, right? And so I'm pretty stupid. <laughs> and whether or not my issue is not whether or not Christians get it right or wrong, right? And these are all getting it wrong. They probably don't. They probably do get it wrong because I do too. Yeah. And my issue is not whether or not they get distracted and focused on the wrong things because they probably do. Because I do too. My issue here is my attitude, right? It, it is this attitude mindset that must be like Jesus's, and that's where that's where I'd gotten off track with. Um, and he starts to hammer in on that stuff. I mean, he starts to talk about selfish ambition and vain conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. And I was sitting there going, man, everything about the way I handle people, or at least in my mind, in my heart, not necessarily to their faces, right? Because we're good Christians. We don't do that to their faces. But everything behind the scenes, it was selfish ambition and vain conceit. Yeah. Because selfish ambition and vain conceit is anything that you do in your life where it puts you at the center. And even me just talking about those things that drive me crazy about other Christians was still putting me towards the center and acting like I get it right and they have got it completely wrong, right? Um, and... Paul is, what he's doing is, is he's giving us 
these pieces of a correct attitude. If you just just take some time today, wherever you're at, and crack open Philippians chapter two and just read the first, I don't know, ten verses or so. You'll see this. He starts to build on what this attitude is supposed to look like in these correct pieces of it. Like three and four, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Rather, in humility, love others, value others before above yourself. Don't look at your own interests, but each of you look at the interests of other people. Right? He's building for you in here what it means to have this correct attitude. Hmm. Um, and whose attitude did that just sound like, though? Like Three and four didn't sound like Adam Cook's attitude. It didn't sound like Tim Pickle People's attitude that I was watching. It didn't sound like Graham's attitude. It, that, that attitude right there in three and four, that sounded like Jesus's attitude. Yeah. That's what it sounded like. Hmm. And that we've got to make sure that we are focused on our attitude being like Jesus, not just our actions. Would you say that right attitude, by having right attitude naturally in the, I wouldn't say naturally, spiritually in the Christian walk, produces actions stemming from the yeah. attitude? Paul is saying, be like Jesus, don't just act like Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just about your actions, it's about your attitude. Um, I think that one of our biggest problems is we try to imitate Jesus' actions rather than um, embodying his attitude. Right. If we embodied his attitude, if we carried the same attitude, the same mindset that Christ had, we wouldn't have to think so hard about imitating his actions because they would come from it. Thinking right always precedes acting right. Thinking right precedes acting right. A right attitude is essential to right action. And what's funny is, is, is we know this on the deepest level, like that thinking right precedes acting right, that attitude matters more than action, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a big, big statement. We know this to be true because if anybody's listening right now, if mm-hmm. you have children, you have experienced this with your children, or if you have not had children, you experience this with your parents raising you, where this happens with my daughter all the time. So I have a, I have a 13 and a half year old daughter, 13 going on 30. And at the exact same time, 13 going on nine. Um, so at any moment, she's just going left or right. Never really acting fully 13. Just always acting one of the two, which may be how you act 13, is that you act older and younger That's than it. yourself at the same time. Yeah. Anyway, I'll ask her to do something, and she'll go, you know, yeah, I did it, right? And I'll have to sit down and talk to her about it, because it won't be about whether she did what I asked her to do. It'll be about the attitude in which she did, went about doing it. Right. That's more important. Yeah. You know, constantly I'm having to look at my kids and go, yeah, I hear you did this or you didn't do that. I ain't as concerned about that. I'm concerned about with with your attitude with it. Right. And and God talks to us about this in the scripture with with giving. He talks about it with giving like, you know, a cheerful giver. He's talking about the attitude behind it, not just the I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. Everything that God talks to us about, there's this there's this understanding of heart or attitude behind it that's more important than just some empty action, right? An action that doesn't have the right attitude behind it is an empty action. Pretty because, sure Jesus said he don't care about those. Yeah. You know? Um, would you say the best example of someone that does only action, no attitude, would be the Pharisee? Exactly. It's, it's what it is. Yeah. What did Jesus hate the most? Hypocrisy. Whitewashed tombs. Hip Hypocrites. Who does he relate to as the hypocrites repeatedly? The Pharisees. What are they really doing? They are having the best Christian action they can have 
but the worst Christ-like attitude they can have, which then Jesus says nullifies their action. Like he says that the that the the poor heart behind it, the poor attitude behind it, the poor mindset behind it nullifies the action, right? If you don't have the right heart behind it, it's over with. It's useless. Um, it, it's hypocrisy. It's being a hypocrite, right? The only way that you can really walk in this world and not be a hypocrite is to make sure that you consistently say to the world that you are a hypocrite, right? So it's being honest about, you know, I know that's what I'm trying to do right now in this message, right? Because I think what I was saying was, is I was being a hypocrite. I was, it was all these things that I had a hard time with, with these Christians. But at the end of the day, the Christian that I dislike the most is me, right? At the end of the day, the Christian I hate the most is me because there's so many times in my life where I am not embodying his attitude towards people. I'm just emulating his actions towards mm-hmm. people. And what, what Jesus says is that that basically just, it's not good enough. It doesn't work. It's these hollow actions that don't have the right attitude behind them. And so, you know, I think that are us imitating Jesus, which is what Paul's saying in this first part of Philippians, us imita- imitating Jesus, um, it's not that we spend so much time imagining what Jesus did and how we can do it. It's that we spend time trying to cultivate and seek out the spirit the disposition and the attitude that he had behind the things that he did, especially towards people hmm. and especially towards his own people, his, his children. Like the Jewish people that he came back for, all of them got it wrong, right? Just like I'm talking about with Christians, like they all got it wrong. And yet he cared for them. He had a heart for them. He comes back for them. You know, Philippians ends up, uh, Paul ends up saying in Philippians that, I think it's verse 6 or 7 or somewhere in there that um, it uses this term bondservant. And the way that term is used repeatedly, it can mean somebody that has no choice in what they do to serve, but it usually means that they have a choice, that they pick it. And this particular usage of the word has Paul saying that they have, um, they give away their rights so that they can hold that spot. So they, they willfully give away their rights so they can hold that spot of service and they can't take it back. Hmm. And that's what Jesus chooses to do for us is he gives away those rights. That's the attitude he takes on. It's no, I, and I'm not going to take, I'm not going to, I'm going to give away my rights and I'm going to give away the right I can have to take them back at some point um, that he's going to serve us into that. And he has this attitude of a permanent serving role in his heart, permanent role. Um, that's the attitude we should have. It should be a permanent serving role of his church, his children, and the world that he wants to reach and make into his church and his children. And it's just really hard to know that if I'm real honest, what the Holy Spirit's going to lead me to every single time I sit down and go, I can't stand most Christians, right? They drive me crazy, and here's my whole list. The Holy Spirit's going to really say to me, is that really the people that you don't like, or is it that you don't like you, that you as a Christian are the ones with the, with the difficulties and problems. And that's the one that that's the real hypocrite and just happens to be that you see pieces of hypocrisy in other Christians, but it's really with you that you can't stand the most. And so, you know, how did Jesus love you into that, Adam? He had an attitude of service for you that dictated his actions. And we have to have an attitude of service first that then dictates our actions towards other people. Um, 
it's a it's a hard well, confession to make, hmm. you know. Yeah, it's hard to make. But what God has been doing with me is He's been consistently showing me that yes, people do stupid things, and I there the proof that people do stupid things is not in the stupid things that other people do; it's in the stupid things that I do. Right? That's the proof. Yeah. And if I can focus more on those things, if if you can look at your own issues and hypocrisy and be honest about those. You don't really have a whole lot of time to be worried about other people's issues and ways that they're hypocrites, which means that you can be focused on your own soul in that, and that will automatically make you have a better attitude towards those other people, right? Automatically. A a better, a more Christ-like attitude. So anyway, that's just that first confession, right? And Mm -hmm. I think that we all probably struggle with it, and um, I, I do think that one of the keys for us as Christians, as people who are following Jesus, is that we have to follow him with our attitude and mindset before we can ever follow him with our actions. We must. And that that's a game changer. Hmm. He knows that about us. That's that and you know, another big clear point about this is that we can't be saved through our works. Well, I wonder why. Because the attitude in the heart is more important than the works that happen. And the same thing here. The attitude in the heart is more important than the actions that are occurred because of mm-hmm. it. So anyway, that's all I got, man. That's good. Yep. Well, I learned a lot. It's it's tough. That's really I'm good. still learning it. But you know, God's God yeah. started to free me from some of this in recent years. There's been some victory from it, but yeah. um it, it's still hard. That really helped me. Honestly. It's still hard for me yeah. to go into the grocery store and go down the pickle aisle, not roll my eyes. But I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, you never go through Taco Bell anymore. Yeah, yeah so I can't. You can't skin, it. yeah. Can't do it anymore. Resent them tacos. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Um, wow, that's that was really that was a good podcast for me to hear. <laughs> um, we're we're so so uh, thankful that you guys are joining us on this journey um, of uh, the Messy Walk Podcast. We will be back uh, next week in the following weeks with some more confessions and uh, some ways. Uh, and then a few episodes coming up, how we can strengthen our faith. Yeah. yeah. So um, we are super excited. Make sure to, oh, also, yeah, leave us a review on yeah, Apple Podcasts. Um, Apparently, there's no way to do that on Spotify. No, but, there's uh, none. On Apple, there is. Yeah. And we would appreciate a review. And let's just go ahead and tell you, you can, you, can, you can be honest. Five star. Five star. But. And you'll probably, I'm just kidding, no. I went too far. Uh, no, we'd appreciate your review. It just helps to boost the, uh, the the publicity of the podcast. And so we want people to be able to hear it. We at least think they should hear it. So um, give us a review. For sure. Awesome. awesome. We'll see y'all soon. See you Thank next you week. Guys. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. Have a great week.